The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Welcome to this midweek version of Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. Currently, Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates are answering questions that have been sent in by people like you. And today's question is a very interesting one. John six fifty-one through 58 What is Jesus talking about when he mentions eating his flesh and drinking his blood? Is this about communion? Does it relate to transubstantiation or consubstantiation? Well, we're going to hear about it in just a moment after I tell you about our website, faithalone.org. We want you to go there. It's a great website. In regard to free grace issues, we believe it's one of the best. Thousands of articles there for you to peruse. A lot of the material is free for you to use. And we also have some products for sale as well. But you'll find some free ebooks. I already mentioned the articles, blogs. You can listen to back episodes of this podcast. And one thing that's very important right now, you'll find details about our annual national conference coming up May the 22nd through the 25th. Our theme this year, Vital Free Grace Issues. And if it's your first time to come, you don't have to pay the registration fee. It's always a great time. We hope that you'll come and be with us May the 22nd through the 25th. Again, all of the details at faithalone.org. O-R-G. Now, here are Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates with today's question and answer. Ken, we've got a couple of questions on the same passage, so I thought I would combine those. Both Paul and Chuck ask about John chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. Paul says, what about the expression, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you? And then Chuck says, would you please explain what Jesus meant in John six fifty one to 58 when he was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood? So thanks, guys. Let's dig into it. Do you have it there, Ken? I sure do. And I'm certain there are even Protestants who read this and think, oh, he's talking about communion. Right. Eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Which is kind of strange because communion didn't even exist at this time when (laughs) Jesus is talking. But in John chapter 6, verse 51, the Lord says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And here it is. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And then in verse 53, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And again, these verses have caused these questions to be asked, but also people assume that he's talking about the Lord's Supper. Yeah, and by the way, verse 58 also ties into that. He says in verse 58, this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And what's interesting about this is John 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000 men plus women and children. And then they chase him across the lake and they're wanting more bread. Well, they said to him in verse 30, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the man in the desert. Notice they're talking about man in verse 58 and says, as is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So what they're saying is, 
we want a continuous supply of bread. That's great. You just fed us one meal. Now keep it coming. Yes. Right? Jesus goes on to say, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. He's talking about himself. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's talking about himself. And then they say, Lord, give us this bread always. Again, they're saying that we want this continuous supply. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. So there's a linkage between the beginning of this whole message that the Lord is giving and the ending between verses 51 and 58. And so he is not talking about literal his literal flesh when he says, I am the bread of life up in 635, nor is he talking about it in 651 to 58. In verse 40, we see that because he says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. He's about to say, you've got to eat my flesh and you'll receive everlasting life. Well, in verse 40, he says, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And so obviously there's a parallel there. It's the same thing. Believing in him and eating his flesh results in everlasting life. Right. So there's no question that this isn't talking about communion or it's sometimes called the Eucharist that this is a figurative way of talking about believing in Jesus. And the Lord did this in John chapter 4, right, with the woman at the well, drinking the living water. Right. And now he's doing it in John chapter 6. In fact, in verse 35, he uses both figures of speech. He who comes to me shall never hunger. That's the bread of life. He who believes in me shall never thirst. That's the water of life. Believes in me, obviously, goes back to John 4 as well. Uh, exactly. You'll never thirst. Right. And so this is believing in him for everlasting life. Yeah. So we don't need to think that, you know, some of the uh, other religions of the world say that Jesus taught cannibalism, that you were actually going to be literally eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood, and that that's what we think communion is, that we're literally eating his flesh and literally drinking his blood. And of course, that's, that is transubstantiation, right? In transubstantiation, the bread literally becomes not just like Lutherans believe in what it's called consubstantiation. That it's spiritually present. Yeah. That that, he's spiritually present. Right. But we believe that it's a memorial so that the bread doesn't become something else. The bread stays the bread. The wine or the grape juice doesn't become something else. It stays wine or grape juice. But we're to do this in remembrance of him. Jesus drives home this point that he's not talking literally about eating his flesh and drinking this blood, because notice what he says in verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And here it is. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. In other words, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, Jesus says, it is the words that I'm telling you that I'm referring to, that he who believes in me has everlasting life. That's where they get life. Exactly. That's a good point. A few verses later, Jesus says, this is in verse 56, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. I just wanted to ask, could this also be expanded that as we eat Christ's words, the word of God, 
this abiding then is now a discipleship thing as well. We believe in him, his promise of everlasting life, and we believe in him. Those are his words. And when we believe in that, we receive eternal life. We can never lose it. But does the Lord expand it a little bit here when he says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, the words that I'm speaking abides in me? See, that's possible. Now, if you look at the verses before that, In verse 54, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. In other words, I'm worthy of trust. You believe in me, you're going to have everlasting life. Then he says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Does that mean that this is what he's talking about in John 13 through 15 when he talks about abiding Or is he simply saying that this person remains in me? Sure. And it can be Uh, either way. But notice the verse afterwards. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down of heaven. He who eats this bread will live forever. So I tend to think that the abiding there is not in the sense of fellowship. Abundant life. Abundant life. I think he's simply saying... He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I remain in him. Sure. Something like that. Uh, Now, it's possible that this is talking about sanctification, but if it is, it's rather odd because both before and after he's talking about everlasting life. Yeah, in context of John 6, he is talking about eternal life. Uh, He's talking to unbelievers. So, yeah, I, I see that. And he's not saying... He brings it out elsewhere that we need to abide in his word in order to abide in him. But here he's just saying the person who partakes of his word abides in him, not abiding in his word. So I tend to think not. Okay. I think for the little bit of time we got left, I have a pretty simple question. At least I think it'll be straightforward. And this is from Christian. If faith is simply intellectual assent, then is the belief of eternal security also intellectual assent? All faith is intellectual assent. You're either convinced or you're not. If I say, do you believe two plus two is four? You're either convinced or not. Do you believe that Jesus guarantees eternal life to the person who believes in him? You're either convinced or you're not. And by the way, those are two ways of saying the same thing. Read me the question again. That's exactly what I thought. That's why I thought it was straightforward. If faith is simply intellectual assent, then is belief of eternal security also intellectual assent? Right. All faith is intellectual assent. Faith is being persuaded that a proposition is true. If I say the word tree, that's neither true nor false because there's no proposition there. Right. But if I say a tree is a plant... That's either true or false. I'm either convinced that's true or not. In order for something to be believed, it must be a proposition. And that's the key, I think, to this question. I think Christian might be saying, well, I believe in Jesus. That's intellectual assent, or I believe he's the Christ or whatever. Right. But do I have to believe the same thing about the offer of eternal life? I think that's the question. Okay, and if that's the question, the answer is you can be lost, that is not born again, and believe many true things about Jesus Christ. 
until you believe his promise of a secure salvation that can never be lost, you're not born again. Exactly. And if you want to call it intellectual assent, I am convinced that is true. Right. He makes his promise to me. And I believe it. That's right. I'm and convinced it is true. Read uh, Gordon Clark, Faith and Saving Faith. He makes a good point on propositions. Also, the Trinity Foundation has a number of good articles. I believe Robin's on faith being propositional. And we have some articles on at faithalone.org on that. Good question. And remember, keep, keep grace in focus. Zane Hodges' excellent commentary on Romans entitled Romans Deliverance from Wrath, is available right now on our website, faithalone.org. Get half price through February 28, 2023, when you use the code word ROMANS. That's faithalone.org. Are you interested in finding other free grace believers just like yourself in your area? Well, you can do that by going to our website, faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On our website, we have a church tracker. It's an easy-to-use map that will help you locate those other Free Grace churches that might be in your area. So come visit us at the website and take advantage of our free church tracker. It's at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. There are a lot of costs involved in staying on the air. That's why we so much appreciate our financial partners. If you'd like to learn how to become one, You can find out more by going to faithalone.org. We would love to hear from you. Maybe you've got a question, comment, or some feedback. If you do, please don't hesitate to send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next Grace in Focus, another question and another answer. What must I do to be born again? please join us. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.